welcome to the James Annette podcast, where we inspire positive action in youth through storytelling. We're excited to welcome you to the season two of the James Annette podcast, tagged A Gem I Know, where we'll be sharing stories of change makers from around the world. And guess what? We have a new co host joining us. Stay tuned and enjoy the rest of the podcast episode. Welcome everyone to um, today's episode of A Gem I Know. Our guest is an experienced thought leader on matters concerning the deaf. She's currently managing two NGOs geared towards making the lives of the deaf better and helping society to further understand and appreciate and also integrate this highly neglected group. She has participated in a lot of programs for the creation of sustainable development in Nigeria. But in the next 30 minutes, let's understand this passion that deeply drives her. Welcome, Rebecca Olatunji. Good evening. Welcome, welcome. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure. So for those that may not know you, who is Rebecca? Okay, so my name is Rebecca. As I'm the founder of CODA, which means collaboration of the deaf and hearing enterprise, where we work to promote the linguistic identity of the deaf community and also ensure their inclusion in the society. I'm also the CEO of Collaborating Hands, is a business city, and also CEO at Collaborating Hands, where we work to provide sign language training services as well as tutoring services to the deaf and hearing community. Okay, okay. So when was it that you got this vision and how has it sharpened as time progressed? Um, okay, so like uh, I've always said, Koda was inspired mostly by my younger sister. I'm a child of a deaf adult, so that means both my parents are deaf. Okay. I was born into a family of four. So the the last born, there are twins actually, so we have a boy and a girl. It was only a girl that was affected due to late detection by my parents. So she also became deaf. And I can remember growing up, you know, having to know that, oh, you, you have deaf parents and you also have a deaf sister. Then sign language was like my first communication because that was the language we used to communicate in the house. So my parents took it onto themselves to teach everyone of us. And we also go to a church, a deaf church as well, which also helped us in learning the sign language quickly. But one thing I, I wouldn't say I understood quickly as a child, but one thing I knew really affected my relationship with my family was, let me say, the communication, communicating with sign language, but not in my house. I mean, outside there. You can imagine having to go out there with them. As a child, you go out there with them and the moment you try communicating with them using the sign language, you get these stares from people like it's, it's a very strange thing. Sign language is not the way, it's better now compared to then. I'm, like, I'm talking about 20 years ago, up to even 20, let's say yeah, 20 years ago, 22, 23 years ago the way people will look at you, you know, the strange look, and they won't just stop there. They will go as far as, ah, okay, a young girl, come. What's going on? Ah, are they deaf? In my mind, I'm like, come on, it's obvious, you can see. Oh, wow. Hey, how did you learn this language? Okay, they taught me. Yes, I learned it, they taught me. Ah, how did they become deaf? Oh, my God. 
thinking, I'm a child for goodness sake. And I'll be like, um, okay, I don't know. Oh, how come you're not deaf? Oh, you know, there's so many questions. You go out with them and you can't just be, you can't be in peace. You can't be a child in peace. You go to a party, you know, a function with your parents and to communicate now becomes fearful. You don't just want to communicate. I'm like, see, don't, please don't just communicate with me because I'm not ready for questions. I'm not ready for stairs. And that's not even, I think that's even um, okay to some level. There are some that will even go as far as, you know, this pitiful size and look and even want to give you money. I'm like, come oh, on. Um, maybe not very, you know, I wouldn't go with a silver spoon, but I'm okay. My parents, my dad will have a good job. He's training me in school. So you see me like this doesn't mean that you have to give me money. Yeah. So a whole lot of things that really affected my relationship with them. So you will notice that as I was growing up, I actually would prefer not going out with my parents. Anytime they say, come along, I said, please, just go on your own. I would rather stay in the house. And it really affected my relationship with them and as well my younger sister. So it was not until a day she she just asked me this question out of the blue because I know that there are times when in the house she would tell me, Oh, it's a piece for me when she's watching the TV. And what's going on? She would like tap me, what's going on? What did they say? What did they say? So sometimes, yes, I would do, I would tell her, I would do that. But whenever we're out there, she would, she taps me out there like Hey, I saw something in my mind. It's not as if I don't want to ask her, but I'm like, I, I will not now. What now? We're outside. We're in the bus. People will stay now. Come on. We are out. Stop, stop it, stop it. Please don't just do it outside. Then we're in the house that very day watching a program. When she asked me for a translation, which I did, and the message she just asked me out of the blue, what's going on? Is it that you are team of me? I notice when we go out there, you just don't want to talk. You would rather walk fast. You don't want to communicate. What's going on? But you are in here. Time is good, and that question that very day really made me I, I don't know, made me so it, me, it, it just took me down. You know, I had to reflect what's going on, what they said. I made up my mind to change. How, how I was going to do that, I don't know, but I just made up my mind to change. You know, and I was still, let me just say, I was still a teenager at this time, I was still a teenager, a very young teenager. Then, yes, I made effort to change. I made effort to change. I won't go out there and she asked me so many questions, I'll try and answer. And you know, that doesn't stop the question from coming. But this time around, I, I was just good because I felt like I'm not going to make her feel like when people see her, they're like, ah, yeah, she's fine, no, hey, yeah, what happened to her? And I started giving this, I don't know, should I wouldn't say it was a negative attitude, but I was ready for anyone that wants to ask me any question I wasn't ready to answer. So at that moment, when they asked me, I'd be like, eh, so is anything wrong with her? Well, I, I, do you see her? Does she have a problem? So I started becoming defensive towards people. So not until I went on a volunteering journey. I went to voluntary voluntary service overseas, and I was trained on a lot of things. So that was what another experience on a whole new level. It really changed me. It changed my personality. I started to see, you know, reasons why things were like this. The social problems, the so many problems that were underlying problems in the society. You know, the reason why I can't totally blame the society for the attitude they were presenting to this to the way my parents were to the way my sister is you know i so from right from there i just told myself okay now i have a better perspective i have a better knowledge and i can use this so i, I came out there better and i told myself that so one of the things i need to do now is i need to spread the knowledge of you know the deaf people i need to let people know that that language is not a it's not a hot language it's just like every other language that you haven't seen it before and you see people using it with hands it just shows you that there are so many unique languages out there so you shouldn't just 
you know, give a, a negative stereotype towards it. So that was one of the reasons or the main reason why I decided to start Toda Enterprise or the reason why Rebecca is even here and doing what she's doing today. Wow, that was a lot. Um, the society at large, I think, are vastly uneducated about deaf people and sign language and in the end we end up hurting people because i can't imagine what your childhood would have been like um i don't know if i should say sorry on behalf of society because we really really messed up so um talk me through starting off um what were some of the challenges you faced when starting coda and collaborating hands and what were some of the resources that really helped you that you didn't expect to help? Thank you, Ellis. You said something back then. You said you wanted to apologize for the society. Well, I'm not... Until now, what I'll just say is they didn't know better. I wouldn't blame them. You know, like they say, information is power. If they had the information, I'm very sure a lot of them would have done better. They would have done better. So, the more reason why I'm out here now trying to let people know that you know what they don't know let them know it now so that we can be better and for every code out there for them to know that things are getting better but even when they see these kind of things happening they shouldn't take it up and get offended well the, most, some of the challenges i faced hmm, well i think the general thing was funding Okay. general thing you know just starting out and you're like i want to start an ngo <laughs> some people will be like eh, okay do you know the money involved you have to do projects you have to do programs where are you going to get the money from and no i'm good i just use i just volunteered with an organization for like two years and it was not if they pay me you know it was just mainly things that could sustain you it was a voluntary thing so it was not if I had any money kept anywhere. But I think one thing that made me get this far was the fact that I didn't start it like, oh, I want to start an NGO. I just told myself, I want to do something to change, you know, to change the society, to promote the linguistic identity of the deaf. I want to make sure they are included. So it wasn't, first of all, an NGO. It was just a passion. So I thought of doing programs. I was like, okay, what are the things you can do? Let's start out with programs. So when I started, although I needed funding, but I didn't have much of that. But one of the things that helped me, I would call that a resources. A resource was the fact that I had people. I have volunteered before. So I had a network of young people, people I could easily call on, people that I've known. Because while on the project, while working with VSO, I worked with them. First of all, I volunteered and I became a team leader. So being a team leader, you have people that you've led. I have people that are in different states. So I, I have people that I could trust and that also, you know, trust me. People that are, they became friends along the way. So these are people I could easily call upon. And that was where this team really, you know, worked well for me. So on starting out, I reached out to, you know, those team members that I knew. I reached out to friends. Oh, this is what I'm thinking about. And a lot of them were very supportive. Some of them will even come as fast. Well, let's come to the program. Let's come and help out. So I started with the first. Uh, the first program I started with was I titled it um, I, the I Can Sign. So the focus was to go to schools. It was during summer. So I said, okay, why don't we go to schools and try to teach people, children, the sign language for free? Yeah. With that, parents back home will be able to, you know, 
when the child comes on and is trying to you know sign with their hands they'll be like oh what is it what's going on and from there a lot of them you know they'll become being true and they say okay why not she's going ahead and all the child goes, goes ahead to learn the language they'll become more informed and that was the first the offsite program we did we were able to it wasn't easy actually i can remember going to so many different schools and i was turned down so many i was turned down you know like they're like ah no you don't ah, no 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 wait you don't have a database um okay is your company registered is it registered as an ngo do you have a website and i'm like oh okay you have all these but this i'm not charging i'm not charging you just let us do this and from there you know you, you never can tell you can pick it up as an extracurricular a club in the school it's just to help you know promote this language i was turned up at many so what i did was i went back and i thought of okay let me since the offline is proving not to be very successful let me start with an online program there are a lot of people out there that you know i can reach out to through an online platform so i started a youtube channel using my facebook my instagram you know all social media platforms possible then i started making sign language videos to teach people about the sign language um well, i would say fortunately he, he got a very good attention from people before you know it i I don't know, it grew. I started having subscribers. From there, I, I had a school reach out to me, like, oh, you like what you do? Would you mind coming to our school when we're doing this because I was excited. I was like, say, I'll even do it for free. You call me, let me do it for free for you guys. And from there, other schools started becoming you know, receptive to us. They, okay, you're already doing it in your school. Okay, why not? You're allowed. Come, come try it out here. Come try it out there. And that was how we were able to you know, get more schools to teach them the sign language program and so now so one of my major success would be the fact that yes I had people I had trusted people around me I had friends that you know that believed in what I'm doing trusted me so whenever I just call out to them like guys this is what is on ground this is what I'm thinking of they are just you know they are ready agile even when you need money like I'm talking about need to have transportation these people don't mind. They will transport themselves there. They will be like, they, these are just people that add this, you know, this um, art of this mentality of service. Yeah. That was one of the beautiful things that I would say helped me and brought me this far. And ever since then, we are here now. So I'm talking about collaborating and when the collaborating was inspired from Coda. So um Koda is will be two in this month, Koda will be two this month and I can let me just say last year I had a school reach out to me and the school told me, Rebecca, we would like to have sign language as you know, a, a language in the school. Can it be taught as a language in the school? And can you have, have your team come over, you know, teach my pupils? It would be like on a timely basis. Because it was discreet the language too. So she wanted um, sign language as one of the languages taught in the school. I was excited. Um, but knowing fully well that um, this time around, because we've done the free program, this one wouldn't be running for free. She was ready to pay for it. Yeah. So this was like a normal, you know, um, teaching service. You come there, you teach them everything. And I didn't want Coda to be responsible for that because I want Coda to be known as purely an NGO. We, sh- we don't charge for ourselves. So I told myself that, okay, Rebecca, how can we differentiate 
called her from you know street services then from there um collaborating is was inspired i was inspired to start collaborating i missed the fact that where um, we have schools that are not getting interested in learning design language even because of the the pandemic correct pandemic was supposed to have started some sign language programs in several schools so collaborating has to be the one in charge of this and as well we are also working on an online platform that is a project where we just started working on an online platform where people can easily go to and you know have access to sign language resources men men so that it it will be accessible for many because we still have so many deaf people out there we're just in Lagos for now and we have people reach out to us staying in the house telling me I want to learn the sign language no 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 the online thing doesn't work and uh, you know YouTube thing and I want a supervised one I want you I want something better then I'm like okay for now we are not in the state just go for the you took one thinking the time would be able to do better so that was when i thought of, okay what about an online platform now i'm talking about a website course website that people can easily go to and just assess materials that they you know they want to learn with any topic you want to learn people have access to so that's a new one we're working on so that was a whole lot of that is waiting and so i thought of okay let me just differentiate them because i don't want to deviate from the focus of coda coda was something that started as my as a passion mean service towards you know my society as something that is meant to change perspective you know people's view of the death of the death and as well improve the standards of the deaf people so i didn't want to deviate i didn't want to have so many things in one that's where by collaborating and as, as that, that's really beautiful and it's nice to see how you have grown amidst adversity first of all from actually being a nigerian to starting something and reaching out to people being vulnerable it was amazing to see how conquered the odds so um what was one thing that you wish you had known starting out hmm. <laughs> um, i wish i had known it wasn't very easy to like start an ngo so when i mean start i'm talking about the you know the registration process and all oh my god it's, 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 it's not a very easy thing in our country here basically maybe because i didn't I didn't start it as an NGO, but I wish I had quickly known where I was heading, you know, heading to. So I wish I quickly know because though I didn't really have a mentor at the start that was, you know, that already had an NGO, I didn't have. And maybe because I didn't even define it at the beginning, because I had so many people I could have easily reached out to, but I didn't define it at the beginning. So I wish I had defined what I was doing at the beginning, because along the line, I almost got stuck. Like, let me not lie. Especially when I was trying to, when I started collaborating, and one of the major reasons why I started collaborating, and I was confused. I was like, "What do you think? So, what do you call this? What, what is this one? Okay, can you charge? Can you?" I had to do a lot of research and reach out to a lot of people, and he 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 actually made me not function for a while. I was just off my game for a while because I just needed to to know what I was doing because I'm somebody that I'm I'm a thinker. I I wouldn't want to say I think a lot, but I like to plan. Like I have, I like to know that okay, this is what it is. I have to have everything on paper. If I don't have it, it kind of disorganizes me. I like to organize everything I do. So at the point when I feel like it's no longer organized, I just go off. And that also happened 
to me. It, it was taking almost more than a month. I was just off. I had to reach out to a lot of my mentors. At a point, a friend of mine had to even meet me up with a, a mentor. He was like, what was going on with you? He said, okay, let me call this person. I had to have like more than two sessions with him. He had to put me through. You know, this is how things are. This, are, this is the things you should have done. But now that it is this way, let me feel this way. So I wish I had known better, you know, had a better knowledge of how, you know, um, NGOs are run, you know, this registration hat. I wish I had known all those things. And even the name, you know, because I didn't even have an idea. So, you know, when you want to register a business now, name has a lot to do with um, at the beginning of your registration. For example, if you have a name that has already been registered with another person, you, you, you definitely don't have that name. You have to change it. So a whole lot of that that just got me stuck at the point. Wow. That that was a lot. That was definitely a lot. Mm-hmm. Um I think I've had problems myself with reaching out to people. So here here's the question that comes to my mind when you mention reaching out to people. In a situation where you have to reach out to someone you've never met personally and nobody is connecting you, you are just reaching out. How would you do it? What's like your formula in your reaching out to someone who you don't know? Oh, well, <laughs> you said something very basic there. It's not very easy reaching out to people you don't know. Oh, no. I, I don't think I'm even good with that. Okay. So, 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 I will say again, one of the things that helped me, because I, I actually had a, should I say a leverage? Yes, I think I should quote, I actually had a leverage, which is the fact that I, I had volunteered before. And while volunteering, of course, you your network, you meet a lot of people. You meet a lot of people. I had project officers. I had um, programs managers that I knew. I, I knew great personalities that was already running their own thing, you know, their own NGOs, their own organization. I knew people, but probably maybe I wasn't very close to them. So when I had this challenge, that was when I, I you know, I remembered those people. So I kind of had a leverage, like the fact that we've worked, I've worked in that particular organization, or ever that person from that organization links me to this other person that can help me. So there was a link somewhere. There was a link. So imagine I say I have so many people I volunteer with now. Just one person there knows my issue. I'm like, this is what I'm going through. So this other person can go as far as connecting me with somebody from plan because he knows that person. So this person is already telling the person, oh, this is Rebecca, this is what she does. I know her from this and this. So it becomes easy for me to just link up with these people. Not that I didn't have anything, you know, to present. I can't just go into their inbox and say, oh, please, I no, no, I didn't do that. I, and I'm not sure I can do that. Okay. Because you might not even get the kind of response you want. Definitely. Definitely. Um, I think if you've highlighted something very subtly, you talked about how service and actually doing your service properly if you are volunteering volunteering with all your heart volunteering with expertise doing your work properly will help open doors for you like 
in one way or the other, even without you knowing. So I think if there's one thing I'm going to sound out to people that are listening, it's to go hard, to go all in with their volunteering if you are serving self properly. That that point is very crucial, very very crucial. And if if I can add to it, maybe before you even start out volunteering, make sure it's something that you really want to do and you are passionate about. So because when I got the opportunity to volunteer, I can remember I had to resign from my job. Now I got to I, I was teaching before I went into volunteering. I was teaching. I just got to a point. I've been teaching for like three years in a, in a Montessori school. Of course, I love to teach. I love imparting life. So from the beginning, you know that I am someone that likes to impart life. Like I have children with so many challenges. I just want to make them better. But it got to a point. I I just felt like I wanted to do more. You know, this yes, I've been doing well here, but I wanted to do more. I wanted a bigger platform. At that point, I I, I never even had an idea that NGO was where I was heading to. Heading to, I didn't know that. I just knew that okay, I wanted to make a you know more positive impact out there. Then a friend called me at the point. Right, I was there. I was thinking, you know, um, applying to a bigger school was one of the things that would help me do more. So I decided, okay, I'll start applying to other schools in mainly on the highland. Let's see how that turns out. It was summer. It was summer. A friend just called me from nowhere. She said, Oh, Rebecca, I got this volunteering opportunity. I don't want to go because I'm not ready to leave my job. I don't have the time and I don't want to turn it down. Would you mind? And I was like, Oh, what's it about? And she told me. See, I didn't even tell her. I, I didn't even tell her that. Okay, let me get back to you. At that point, I said, Tell me, I will go. She said, Oh, what? I didn't, I didn't, I didn't resign me. So she said, Ah, wait, what about your job? I said, ah, The job. I said, Right now, I have resigned. <laughs> and, you know, I'm very sure now she was like, Ah, what's tough? But I just said that when we see, we will talk. You know, right there and there, I already made up my mind that I was going to this, my, you know, to my workplace the next day and I was going to turn down my resignation letter. So at that moment, I called my friend. Though in back at, at the back of my mind, I had doubts. I was like, Rebecca, in this country, a young lady like you, who, 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 who start giving you money? How do you want to do it? I had some other responsibilities. How do you make up for that? Ah, and this is not it. They'll be paying you or paying twice. Or, you know, those doubts were coming in. Even though I was like strong will that I, I wanted to go, those doubts were coming in. I just reached out to a very good friend of mine who knew me. You know, he knew the kind of person I was. I was like, Rebecca. You need to go for this. It was even though that helped me to, you know, arrange a very good resolution letter. Oh my God! And I took it to work the next, the next maybe eight, eight, two days after. And on leaving there, I can remember my head teacher said something. She said, "Oh, maybe I, I just think something was going, you know, coming up, or coming up." She encouraged me. Said, ah, "I know you to be a great person. Go ahead, you know, take over the work." I told her what I was going for. Then on getting to, you know, starting out, I. I really did put my whole list because I wanted, I wanted to do things. I saw it as an opportunity for me to just be who I wanted to be. And really, it, it presented so many opportunities for me. I met a lot of great people. I, I can remember that that was the first time I even got to be myself. I was able to tell people that see, I'm, I have a destiny star. I, this is how I got to learn the sign language. And you know, this program is, a, is, a, is like an exchange program. You have some people from the UK come to a rural community. You get to stay there for 
12 weeks, three months, you stay together for three months in the same house. I mean, in a, in a village where you guys, the village, you just go there, we have too many projects to work on. And I go to be myself. I can remember my team, you know, cheering me up, like, Rebs, oh, you know the sign language. A lot of them even wanted to learn the sign language for me. That was the first time I taught the sign language. And the program, the program presented a lot, a lot. I can't mention. I, I developed personally. That was the first time I even got to hear about the sustainable development goals. You know, the um, millennium development goals. That was the first time I was able to place the challenge that I was really, in my wanted to work on. I was able to place it in a particular goal. I was able to tell my, define, you know, define that passion. I was able to define it and knew what what the problem was because at first I didn't even know what the problem was. I, I just knew that I was from this background and a whole lot of things are not right and I wanted to work on it. And you know, from that place, I won't lie to you, it changed me. I came out a whole different person. I came out, you know, better. I came out with plans. I came out with a better vision. I came out with a mission. Everything just changed. And on leaving, leaving there, I didn't just go to just pass away time. The minute I finished, you know, while I was there, okay, I'm, this is kind of personal, but allow me to share it. While I was there, I actually lost my dad. I was just a month there and I lost my dad. And I can remember my project officer then was telling me, okay, you need to go home, you need to even, he, he said, he, I remember when I came back, he said, I wasn't even sure if you were going to come back. But right there and then, when I lost my dad, I can remember one thing I told myself, I said, Rebecca, if you sit down at home now, what, what are you going to hold on to? This is the only thing that is even giving you joy for now. So it's better to go there and go and be crying that you're bust for that. But at least you know that you're doing something you want to, to do. So I went back home. I made sure I went to finish the program. And got so good. After finishing the program, my team leaders, all of them recommended me to be a team leader. Even my project officer recommended me to be a team leader. I was interviewed along with a lot of people. People that had master's degree. I didn't have a master's degree as a then. <laughs> Not even now. And I, I was, I, I was selected. I became the team leader, and that was a whole new, different experience for me. You know, it was a total turnaround. I got to learn. I learned a whole lot of things that are now becoming useful for me today in terms of, you know, um, talking about how to reach out to stakeholders, collaboration, report writing, you know, funding, proposal writing. I learned all this while I was volunteering. And these are words I'm using today, and it's really helping me. Right now in Koda, we ha- I have up to 20 volunteers. I have a team of people that are working with me. I mean, professionals, people that are professionals, you know, that are knowledgeable, experienced in their, in their line, that are working with me. And it's not as if I'm paying them. I'm not paying them. But because I have learned how to work with these people, I have learned that you don't have to pay for these services i have learned it because i actually did it and i didn't get paid for it and it's working for me now and i i pray yes it, it, it will get better we are moving forward very soon because i'm going to a place where i will even start paying our people will start paying we are we are getting to that place so i would want to say service is very important if you have 
if you see the opportunity. See, even when you don't see, please look for it. I know it can be very hard to see the opportunity here, if not for that person that caught you that day. I'm not sure. But if you if it doesn't come to you, try, find a way to just you know, render your service somewhere. It it, it it makes you better. You can't bend that service and you are the same person. No, you will definitely gain a lot from it. Please find it and render it for free. I think from from now whoever listens to this can call you the queen of um very 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 scary action because i don't know resigning and quitting your job is pretty big an action and it boils down to the fact that you said you were passionate about it or something you enjoyed and it was strong enough it was that much enjoyable that even though you lost your dad it still brought you satisfaction in a way uh, and um listening to you talk about opportunities i would say not a lot of people are first of all not a lot of people are um knowledgeable about the sustainable development goals and secondly not a lot of people know about volunteering opportunities like this so what is the one platform you know that has helped you find opportunities like the first one you went for opportunities to volunteer what is one platform you know that maybe not a lot of people are aware of but exists that you can share with us um okay I remember when the first time I even got to volunteer, my project officer gave me a platform to go register for a program that was at Ketio. Okay. A beautiful program. I did it here. It trains you on leadership and all. And I think through that program, I got to know about opportunity decks. Through him, actually, I got to know about opportunity decks. Opportunity decks is a great platform for mine. I didn't regret knowing that platform, registering on that platform. So if you if you can just go on Google, search for opportunity desk, subscribe to their newsletter. Till date, they just you know they update you on recent opportunities, programs, even volunteering opportunities you can register for. Because instead of just going on Google and trying to search, because that was one thing I started doing. I would search for different different, and it can be tiring. But opportunity decks, what they do is that they put all these things together, all these opportunities together, and they will send it to you, like at the end of the month. The ones that are fellowship, the ones that are national, the ones that are regional. So I can say hey, I'm always up to date on opportunities. And I even choose my opportunities. I'll tell myself, okay, this is not the right time for this. This is the right time for this. I'm not ready for this. And you know, it helps you, it helps you schedule which one you want to go for now, which one you feel like you are ready for. So opportunity desk is very good. Very, very good to check for check that. And um I know of youth hub, though I don't really go there. Mainly because opportunity desk is just send you know all these things to me already at the end of the month. And I follow them on Instagram, I follow them on Facebook. So the moment an opportunity pops up, you see them and they already update it. They update it. It's already updated. So they are up to date. So I can vouch for opportunity that can vouch for that. And it's always good, like um, apart from the website, it's always good when any opportunity you see, try and register for their newsletter. Because even if 
feel like you're not ready now, they will send you, you know, they will notify you when your person comes up again. You can just prepare yourself for the for the next. So try and sign up for their newsletter. It's always good. It comes into your email once there's an opportunity. But I have a whole lot of like that. Even anything that has to do with like like now funding a website. I have a lot a whole lot of funding websites I'm registered on so that you can keep me up to date when there's a funding opportunity. So it won't like I always tell my my, my friends. It won't kill you. Go on to Google. Is everybody's friend? Go there. Go first for funding opportunities. You know, um, training opportunities. You see a whole lot of them. Try and you know, look through. Then if you feel like, oh, I don't have time to, just register for their newsletter. I promise you, they will they will notify you, and you can have time to go through them and know if they are the one for you. As well, young people. Um, that was when I, I, I told you something about when you see when you volunteer with, with different organizations, you will have a whole network of people. Network of people. See that people is it's very I don't joke with that network of people because you from there a whole lot of opportunities can come. So if you feel like you don't have the time to search for this opportunity, you will see someone that is just up to date and they will just be sending it to you. So I'm on different groups on WhatsApp because of my volunteering experience now. I have a youth group I'm on different youth group I'm on. So from every, almost every week, you see opportunities that will update. So I just go for the one that I'm, that I'm interested in and I go from the other being able to keep up. But try opportunities is a good one. Very good one. Thank you so much for the recommendation. I'm sure a lot of people will find that very useful. So um, I think I should ask this. What important lesson have you learned from all the things that you do and what was life before and after you learned it <laughs> so let me let me start with 2020 came with a lot of challenges it's pretty obvious the covid 19 pandemic and all and um, starting out from the very beginning when i said i had my first program and a whole lot of people turned me down told me oh you don't have this you don't have that come back when you are in your feet when you're ready i quickly told myself that back records are important very very important a whole lot of people don't know that you know i grew i, I grew up in an environment where you, you, i grew up in an environment where i have pictures when you do something you have pictures you post them some people will find at it they will tell you this is not necessary Oh, you don't need this. You do this. We don't have to know about it. I was not a social media person. So I, I, I think I am now, but I was not. I was not. It was terrible. So, so I learned along the way that see, track records are very, very important. And social media is one of the places that can help you, especially when you don't have a website yet. So anything you do, you know you want, you want to go bigger. Except you have, <laughs> sorry to say, except you have a godfather, a rich father, right? But if you are like me, you know, young person trying to start out, track records are very, very important. So anything you do, anything, even I'm not telling you to go on social media and go and post that I did this. No, when you are putting them on social media, put it there like a report. So that's one of the things I learned. So when I do anything. I make sure I go back. It's just like you, 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 you consciously tell yourself that, oh, I have people that are watching, and it's not that they are watching to just see. These are people that I'm reporting to. These are people that are supporting my work, and I owe them a report. That is what I tell myself. So that's one thing that has helped me. So even when people, when I started out very early, and I'm saying, oh, I need to post something, like I must to post it. I say yes. So I have people I need to report to. Because when I wanted 
reach out. So if at the end of the day I'm not making progress, I've done anything, and I don't go back there to tell them, that's a bad work ethic. So it's just like you're working in an office. You you need to report to someone. So now you are the boss of yourself. But you have these people now becomes the people who owe you know who owe something like oh these are the people that are going to keep me in check. They're keeping me in check. I need to put my work there. Let them see how far I've come. And in doing that, it just helps you. You know, it gives you a leverage when you are trying to apply for opportunities out there. It just gives you a leverage because the way the world has now gone now, one thing I've noticed with opportunities, they tell you to put your social media handles. What does that mean? They want to go and see if what you are saying is true. If what you are written there is true. So if you have not put it for on there, do you know what that does to you? They are not going to call you to tell you, oh, you said you've done this, but they will call you. It's just those handles you've left. They will do their own checking. And if they don't see it as so, you're lost. Yeah. So you need to when you are when you when you're when you're working, you know, in 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 promoting the SDGs, yeah. one thing should get out of your mind. Report, report, report back to your platform. It's your platform. So you need to dominate means without the posting picture. I mean La Liga, I mean it, it can be that can go there, but be you know be report conscious if you're doing anything even with an organization go as fast oh with i did this with this person today what what does that portray you as as someone of service those things are not useless they are useful so every bit of it go and you know report back to that place so i think where a lot of people get you wrong now we now go back to report the wrong thing or the unnecessary thing, not to go wrong, the unnecessary thing rather than the necessary one. Yeah. So just choose your reports. Let's say that choose your reports. And um, secondly, I started out, I, I think that skipped my mind now. I wanted to say something. Okay, um, Telly, please, can you come back with that question again? Um, the question was. Um... What is the most important lesson that you have learned from all that you do? Okay, thank you. So that was the first one. The second one is see, mentors are very, very, very important. Oh, I didn't know the use of people before. I didn't know, you know, how important because when it comes to relationship, I can be terrible. I knock it out for maintaining it in terms that when it comes to communication, I'm not very good at it. I might not just keep in touch for a very long time. But it was not until when I started out, I knew the importance of, you know, keeping in touch, communicating. And mentor, mentorship is very important. Uh, like I always say, mentors don't have to be someone that is older than you. Just someone that is doing something you, you know you you're doing or even in line of what you're doing but doing it in a better way better way than you and you know that this person must be experienced what mentors do for you is they save you the stress of having to do you know having to fail or would I say they don't prevent you from failing don't get me wrong but they they help you they, they save you time so instead of having to do this thing that they have done before and they know the they know how it's going to turn out. 
they will prepare you for it. They will prepare you for it. It got to a stage where I got stuck, like I said. Like I remember one Mr. Emma Soye is is a sign language linguist. I reached out to him because of what I saw he was doing. He was doing great in terms of promoting the um, trying to promote um, African sign language. And I reached out to him, you know, to volunteer with them. And somehow he got interested in the kind of person I am. And this great man decided to just reach out to me once in a while. And he even told me that he's willing to mentor me. But when he said that particular statement, I didn't, I, I, I didn't know the value until I started, you know, I got to a point where I got stuck. And God's so good, God's so kind. Before then, he came to Nigeria and he, he, he came to Nigeria because he's based in America. He decided to see me, like, I want, I want to see this young lady, I want to see this person, this passionate person. And I was, like, happy. I, I met him, he spoke. He spoke wisdom of God, and I was like, ah, man, I found a man of knowledge. I was happy. But I didn't know the value until I got to a mode where I felt like, okay, what more am I doing? And I can remember he called me for more than, it was an international call. We spoke for more than two hours. And after talking to this man, I wish I had spoken to him earlier. I wish I had spoken to him earlier because he made me know that all what I'm going through is normal. He told me, you will get to a stage. Told me some things that would happen that you will get to a stage whereby this is what will happen to you, but don't be threatened, it's normal. He's just preparing me for the next level, it's just you know. And he said this whole lot of things, and I was happy now. At that point, at that point, I would like to call that. That was when Koda even moved to a new level. That was when I started a new project. That was when I could, I could boast of my first project in Koda, like I, I could boast of it. That was when the the whole turnaround to being an NGO because it was just a program. Then the whole turnaround of being an NGO happened because of what this man said to me that day. So never underestimate the you know the value of a mentor. When you have people that are willing to talk to you, that are willing to advise you, don't take it for granted. You will need it if you are really heading to a you know to a place that you know that is bigger than you and it's not if you've been there before. Note that there are people that have been there before you and you save yourself a lot of a whole lot of stress by talking to them. It's not it's not a thing of it's not a thing of shame, I don't know. It's not a thing of open up so far as they are willing to you know be there for you. And um, I can remember this year I got the opportunity to and I emerged as a, a opportunity death challenge second place winner yeah. and I can remember when the opportunity came I almost didn't want to go for it I just felt like I told myself what have you done that's what I told myself what have you done oh please you've not done it and let me know like that's what I keep telling myself when any opportunity comes I tell myself no you've not done enough when you have done enough you'll come back for it and this is one opportunity I've always looked forward to while I was volunteering I told myself man this opportunity I would like to prepare I would like to have it but but this opportunity came and my mentor was actually one of the persons that inspired me. He said, see, if you don't try it and fail, you won't know how to actually do better. He wasn't that question and said, go for it. He told me you've been saying it and you've just 
you just looking at it. They are saying, yes, you are not ready. Why will you not be ready? See, go for it so that you will know that, okay, yes, I'm not ready. And this is the reason why I'm not ready. And I went for it. What made me? I didn't even believe I could get, you know, to be the second runner of. I didn't even believe it. And that happened. And that even came with a whole lot of opportunities for me. Because I, I got new people reached out to me. There was someone that reached out to me and we partnered on a project that it was a COVID-19 project that gave out food to deaf people. If not for that, I wouldn't even have met her. And she's not the only one. I met a whole lot of people that we are even working on some couple of things together. And I got to the opportunity to go on the training. That was um, a business training. I met another wonderful mentor. This is a lady and she has just been amazing. She has helped me with my personal branding. So I tell you, don't take mentors for granted. They are, they are, they are, they are very valuable for your life. Very, very. Unless that place you are heading up, heading to is not very, you know, you don't see it as a big thing for you. It's not big. Yeah. But one thing I just know is any dream that doesn't scare you, any dream that doesn't scare you, my brother, my sister, you have not started. Your dream should scare you. Your dream should be something that you, you don't even know how you will get there. Yeah. That is when it is a dream. That's why you can call it a dream. So if that kind of dream you have, mentors are important to you because they will help you. Yeah. They will help you. So, I think yeah, so that's two things. That you just, what you just said was um, you miss 100% of the shots you don't take. So if you think you are not prepared, hmm. you should still take the shots. It will tell you why you are not prepared. So that's really a dynamic I had not seen before, but it was really nice. So my next question is, which deaf person's story in particular has inspired you to be? Because um, I noticed that you started this program called Deaf Women Breaking Barriers and um, it has a lot of amazing deaf women doing amazing things. So which person's story in particular has inspired you? Maybe change the way you do things. The truth is that all of them, all of them, and you know what I'm saying is, you will notice that they all have a different story. Yeah. Maybe because both my parents are dead too. So, first of all, I will tell you that, like I always said, my sister was my first inspiration. She inspires me a lot. And having me, you know, starting out meeting a lot, a lot of deaf people. You would be amazed. I remember some of the stories we featured on our platform. There is this amazing woman, Mrs. Um, Oyeleke Benis. She became deaf due to sickness. It was just one person that was deaf from birth. A whole lot of them were noticed that it was due to one sickness or the other. And it just kind of made me wonder that. <laughs> how is it their fault? How? How? And when you look at this woman, these are women doing well in the society. Oh my. They are doing well. They are doing 
Well, you talk about Mrs. Ellen, she has her own NGO, she's doing well, she's based in Abuja. Miss, uh, Mrs. Janet, Mrs. Ben is herself. She just, Mrs. Ben is just completed um, a program that focuses on um, you know, death literacy. Looking at poems, poetry, and you'll just be like, oh, how did she even get to think about this? It was beautiful. Bosse, a whole lot of things there. And one thing that I just learned from you know, having to associate myself with them is see, our uniqueness yeah. is what makes us special. Yeah. Nobody is lesser than you are. Nobody is. You can't tell me no, like because someone has is not like you, they are not up to your level. Get to know them and you'll be surprised the bunch of talents that is immersed in these people. And I think the opportunity of having to be birthed by a deaf parent has just made me, you know, it's a blessing to me because it has made me to see the world in a all different ways. It has made me to see opportunities where others might not see. It has just exposed me to another level of creativity. I'll use my sister for instance. My sister is deaf, yes? Well, she's my younger sister, but this lady is one of the <laughs> very self-confident person I know. Oh my, she's very confident. Very, very confident. And I look at her sometimes, she does a whole lot of things. Things that I'm unable to do. Make hair, make up, sew, she sews beautiful dresses. And I just keep telling myself, so who, who now says, please, who says, because I don't know, I, I don't even see it as a disability, but I say, this is not a disability, it's a plus ability. Because look at it, look at it well. These people are not like me. So what do you say? There are a whole, a whole lot of people like me, and they just have few like them. So sometimes I just tell myself, this is a plus ability too. Forget a plus ability. They are, they are amazing, and until, until you meet them, you will know. Until you just open your mind to learn more about them, you will know. That's that's true. Um, and while you were talking, um, something came to my mind. What are some of the common new myths and stereotypes about deaf people? Can you come again? What are some of the common myths and stereotypes about deaf people? Okay, recently, I guess he was, yeah, this year, recently, during the COVID-19 period, I wrote something about that. Okay. These are, mostly, these stereotypes are, you know, negative stereotypes that has further contributed to the discrimination of the deaf people. So, for instance, being born in a deaf family, like, I would always get something like, deaf people are aggressive. This is like a common, a very common notion, a very common one. I tell around, even for people that have not met them, they'll tell you, ah, they're aggressive. And I, I go as far as, have you met them? Have you communicated with them? Did you all of them you have met? They tell me they're aggressive. And I tell people, see, these are people that, definitely they are not like you. 
there are more of you. Talk about giving people, there are more of you compared to them. Yeah. So I give them, I just give them an instance. Imagine you travel to China today. You go to China. And on getting to China, everybody is speaking Chinese or Mandarin. There. I'll, the first thing I'll, the first notion, you know, what comes to your mind? Ah, these people, I don't understand them, of course. And whether you like it or not, there is this instinct of, maybe not, but instinct of fear because you, you, want, you just want someone to understand you. So you go there and no one is speaking English and you are speaking English but everybody there don't understand you. And excuse me, I need something and they are replying you in Mandarin. At a point, you will be frustrated because you just need somebody to understand you. And if at the end of the day, nobody is able to respond to you, not even right, nothing, nothing. Come on, even you. At the point, you will scream. I don't need someone to communicate, like, understand. This is what I need, this is what I want. The same thing is at one place. Why? Have you communicated with them? I have a sister here, and aggressive is not the way I would define her. Of course, she gets angry. Of course, I get angry. We, we, at times, we have issues. But I will not tell you my sister is aggressive. No, why would she be? Why? I understand that I communicate with her. If she comes here now, she's frowning. The next time I communicate, what's happening? Why are you frowning? She tells me what is wrong. We're able to talk. So I just need to see this is why I'm not aggressive. So the way the society has been trained. We, are, we, are, we grew, all grew up in a society where, you know, over time we're looking down on these people and the, the way our reception towards them, there's this mindset we have about them. Natural, this, these are stereotypes, like you said, before they come to us, there's this fixed mental attitude we just present to them. Oh, they're aggressive. In your mind, you already tell yourself they're aggressive. Or, oh, they can't hear. I, I don't understand them. Oh, they are, they are not up to, you know, the society. And this father has made it, has, you know, discrimination. It has brought about discrimination in, in terms of in their workplace, in everywhere they go. You know, this is attached. A, a whole lot of social issues is, is attached to this. And you, you not see them. And at that moment, you say, oh, they are aggressive. Try and understand them. Communicate with them, and you know that they are not aggressive. They are not. They are not. You know, this is even a common one I am sharing. I remember I, my, on my page, and I saw a whole lot of response. A colleague of mine too shared it. He's a deaf person, and he was able to give me, an, a, a, you know, another perspective to it. The society has made a whole lot of them to be viewed as being aggressive. Now, if you look at in terms of access to information, they don't have full access to information. That's one of the major problems that they still face to today. A, a government is announcing on the TV and they are getting little to no information from it, except for someone like my sister that has a sister or a brother that knows the sign language and I'm able to interpret. Throughout this COVID-19 period now, I'm always you know, watching the news. I'm always on there, wanting to see what was going on. And my sister too is there. And at that moment, she's asking me, okay, what's going on? And I'm, you know, telling her, as I'm getting angry at the information that's coming out from the TV, I'm like, ah, what's going on? And at that moment, 
I'm telling you, even if he's reacting, he said, ah, I can just say that. I can actually do this protest. Oh my God, she was on point. She was following all through. In the moment I come out, I tell her, have you seen what is happening on Twitter? She told me what's going on. I said, go and check, go and check. She checked. And I, at that evening, she said that we have to watch the news. Then we go there. The moment we are watching it, she's quickly asking me. You know, I, I didn't even have to wait for her to ask me because now I'm used to it. So at that moment, as they're saying it and training me, I'm giving it back to her. And see, I got, you know, it's just like that information is coming. As it's coming to me, it's going to her. Nothing is, you know, missing. But now imagine someone that is not having access to this at all. They don't have access to it because the the way we um the situation is in Nigeria now, they don't um the government has not even been able to cater for our hearing youths for us to not say you know talk about the deaf youth. Kind of interpreters are missing on our local TV stations. It's just only few of them that are just, I think just NT and it's not all the time. During this COVID-19 era, some, pe- some people, like some organizations I know, think calls us, owned by Mr. Samuel, they were able to reach out to work on providing interpreters. And I know some people in the community, like Bayon, Bayon, they is doing a lot, trying to make this information accessible. But no, just what I'm trying to bring out here is, just imagine you being in my environment where this information are not accessible to you. you. You feel like you are deprived of the opportunity you are, you are supposed to have. You are deprived of the information you are supposed to have you know, access to. How would you feel? That is the situation they are facing today. And that has brought up, brought up this many you know, attitudes that a lot of people feel like they are presenting. A lot of things, some, most of them are frustrated. Currently, there is a project I am doing, a program where I'm giving out food you know, um, palliatives to deaf women, and also trying to provide back to school materials for, for deaf children. And one of the things that is is that this is, I know, see, you know, a whole lot of deaf people here are not employed. The ones that are employed that are working with the government are, but they are fortunate. They are fortunate ones. Most of them, what they do, are menial jobs. And a whole lot of factors have contributed to this. From the education, you know, from the um, education level, education situation of deaf people in the country. Now to talk of the employment status. Even everybody here is still facing employment challenge. Now, now look at them. The discrimination is still high. Only these people want to employ them. And for those that are employed, that are, they, are, they are either doing menial jobs, and even these menial jobs is just giving them little or no funds. Sometimes I sit and I, I, when my dad was alive, I would ask him, How did you even get this job? How did you get to be working with NITA? What happened? I, when he told me how it happened, I just told, I just told myself, You see, you were one of the fortunate ones. You were one of the fortunate ones. That's why you got, you got to work here. Not every one of them. So imagine, look at the um, the hand process now. See how it started. It was because a whole of, a, a, every one of us feel like enough is enough. We deserve better, and that is how these people are feeling. You cannot imagine how they they are feeling. You are clamoring. You are saying you deserve better. So how do you expect them to feel when they are not even getting up to what you are getting? They are not getting up to it at all. They are deprived of a whole lot of things. And now put it the fact that you don't now understand 
and the other that they must be frustrated. That is the problem. That is the underlying problem. Most of them are frustrated. Most of them. The part of so many things that they should have gotten. So, aggressive should not be something you should use to refer to them. Please, when you have to opportunity, if you can learn the sign language, if you can write, they can, they can, when you write, they understand you. Try your best to communicate. Be patient. Don't just carry that notion to around as well. They are, they are just humans like you. And they understand the language of love, as I would say. They understand it. When you show them love, they understand it. Now, that has been a lot. I, I personally haven't heard that one before that deaf people are aggressive. Um, but it's definitely something I would be sure, and I'm sure every other person that listens to this should be able to sensitize people around him or her and let them know that these stereotypes are very unnecessary and very problematic so um to to you as a person what what finishes your money as a youth <laughs> what finishes my money yeah oh why what i'm doing right now yeah. see practically yesterday i was still telling my younger sister we were signing to each other and you know as ladies now she said something said yes i'm doing nothing since want to do some shopping because one thing i've taken up as a tradition is doing getting to the festive period i kind of shop from my nest Okay. So what I'm doing is, I'm, you know, around this year, a whole lot of promos are going on. You get, this is when you see Black Friday happening. A whole lot of stores are putting their things on sales, you know, putting discounts just for the festive period so that they can sell out. And next year, you know, new things comes in. So it just happens to be one of the time that you get a whole lot of things cheaper because of the season coming up. So I, that's what I do every year. We, Grown to do our things that way. In November, before December, October, November, I will start shopping everything to wear, to things I will need for the next year. If I need a new bag, new shoe, it's around the time I start even packing my things out. You know, things I want to give out, I start packing them and putting them out. That okay, these are things I want to give out. So I start thinking of people I want to give out to. So yesterday she mentioned this. I told her, eh? I said, please again. She just smiled. She laughed actually. I said, I need to be more. Why would you tell me that? You know how things are. This COVID 19 era is not nice at all. She not told me, but is that what you mean? You will not. I said, Which what do you want me to do? I said, Forget it. All my money, you know, they put them coming up. <laughs> you know, she, she shook her head. She was like, Are you serious? I said, Of course. Being this time now, almost, most of the projects I've done, apart from the one, I got funding for which from opportunity that when I say I partner with people, my money goes to it. Of course, this is what when, when this is where my money goes. My money goes into what I'm passionate about. So you know, if I think about myself, I use my money for this. I cannot just do the uh, COVID nineteen project and this lady reached out to me. She was telling me, telling me, oh, we need some funds. Let's, the budget was like over two hundred 
And the truth is that I have to stop a whole lot of my, my programs, a whole lot of my, my, my trainings because of the COVID. So, for the fact that the um, COVID affected schools, it also affected some of my programs because don't forget, we majorly work with schools. Yeah. So, major funding wasn't coming But I knew I had to do this program. I have to because it's not about. If, if it was, it's not about, oh, I want to do it, and I just want to do it. I'm, I'm passionate about it. I know there's a need, and I need to. The truth is that I have to go and clear out my UBA account for that program. And I remember my sister telling me, my sister told me, ah, I need to do this. You know, this is like your savings. So I have like an account for my savings, major savings. I have another one for, you know, some savings. I have more where the money comes out every day. Any like the normal regular cash out, I need money. But this was like I didn't have an ATM for it. Truth be told, I didn't have an ATM for UBA, and it was the COVID era. So I know how difficult it is for you to not start going to the bank and saying, "Oh, I, I want to an ATM." I know I didn't want to go. The long queues, people sitting down, you know, smart up the um, protocols. But I just told myself, "I need to go and get this money because you're not expecting any money at the moment, and you need to run this program." That lady I was doing this program with, she, I can remember she would tell me, oh, I've been able to raise this. Um, I'm expecting my, my, some money. I want to tell me this. Uh, in my mind, I was like, right, okay, well, I want to tell you, I said, I don't worry, the money, the money is coming. Yeah. But in my mind, I just knew that I have to go and clear out that UPD account to make this program a success. I can't turn back now. Yeah. That money is not coming in, it's not going to stop it. So, I actually went there and I cleared it out. I cleared it out, not minding if I was not going to have anything on me. I cleared it out. So that is one thing that I would say, see, programs, projects, as far as something that I am, it's about what I'm doing. Technically, I believe in it. I can drop my last penny on them. I don't, I don't mind. I don't even look at the fact that I might not have anything on me. I do them after I've done them. That's when I'm asking, I say, okay, Rebecca, you have to play that. What's the next thing? I'll tell myself, you know, as a yoga girl, since she's been to have carry all the money now, don't forget, oh yeah, now, when is the next money coming from? It's after I've done it, I think about all those things. I don't think about it the moment I want to do it. That's the kind of person I am. Before I would think about getting stuff for myself, I think about, you know, what's the next thing? What's the next thing? What are we spending? money on what's that next big thing what's that impact we are making and if not that probably i'm online getting a course you know paying for a course to better myself but firstly see is programs or projects as well that's where my money goes that is where my money goes that, that's very i'll say weird for a youth but still it's it's what makes you uh, <laughs> So what would you pick for your last meal if you were to eat anything and it was the last thing you had to eat, what would that be? Come again. What would you pick for a last meal if you were to eat anything and it was the last thing you had to eat, what would you want it to be? For a last meal? Yes. <laughs> okay. See, I'm a fan of plantain anytime, any day. 
cool. Easy. If I, if you have issues, if I have issues, <laughs> if I have issues with you, yeah. Eh? Yeah. The highest name I will call you. The moment that I call you plantain, just know that you have done something to me. Plantain, to do. That is my highest insult. <laughs> oh, plantain, anytime, anything. I can have that woman any time of the day. Okay. Even when I don't be like this, like you are fine plantain. Ah, ah, I will, I will take it. I can't be. I say I can't. I can't throw her away for that food. Wow. So that is probably something I can ask for a last meal. That's something I can have. If not that, then cereals. Oh. Mommy will just do cereals. Okay. So how can people reach you if anyone is listening to this and person wants to reach you? Yes, so um, you can reach me on my social media handles on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, even LinkedIn. I use the same name, Rebecca Latinji. Okay. Just go there, Rebecca or Latinji. You will see me there. Right. You see me there, and probably if you want to connect, if you feel like there's need to connect and you know partnership, talk business, you can just send an email to Olatunji dot a dot Rebecca at gmail dot com. Right. That's it. So, um, finally, one trivia question before we go. Trivia question. What mama has no vocal okay. cords? Sorry? What mama has no vocal cords? Wow. What mama has no vocal cords? Yes. Hmm. Mama has no vocal cords. Oh my god. <laughs> Oh, you guys are only scratching my brain. What mama has no vocal cords? Okay, definitely not monkey. <laughs> definitely not monkey. Definitely not monkey. Yeah. Are you agreeing to that? Yeah, I'm saying it's definitely not monkey. <laughs> You're agreeing to say the answer somehow. Okay, you want me to say the answer? Um, um, no, wait, wait. Apart from mammals on ground, we have those in water. I don't think those in water in the sea should have. Yes. Ah, wait, those in the sea shouldn't have now. We have a mama in water that, um, no, no, not seals. Um, not penguins. Not um dolphins. Okay. Do, do dolphins? Do they have vocal cords? Are you asking me? I don't think they do. <laughs> I don't think dolphins have vocal cords. I'm not sure, but I don't think dolphins have vocal cords. Is that your final? I don't think so. <laughs> uh, uh, 
you want in the room here? I'm all alone, so I think I have to stick to that answer. Okay. I have to stick to that. Dolphins. Um, dolphins actually. You said? Dolphins are actually very loud mammals. Um, the mammal that doesn't have a vocal cord is a giraffe. They have a voice box. A giraffe? Yes, they have a voice box, but their necks are too long for them to produce enough air to vibrate their vocal folds and make noises. So, giraffes do not make noise. So, that's it. Wow. Wow. We come to the end of this episode. Wow. It was, I learned something new. Thank you for that. Yeah, it was really nice having you. Um, you've shared a lot, and perhaps some other time we'll feature you on the Gems on Earth platform in some other way. For now, it's bye from here. Thank you so much for coming. Thank you very much for having me. Thank you, thank you very much. Thank you for the opportunity as well. Right. You guys are doing amazing. Yeah. And keep keep doing it. Thank you so much.